Thank you for downloading this sermon brought to you by the preaching ministry of Liberty Baptist Church of Las Vegas, Nevada, Dr. David Tice. For more sermons in both audio and video format, we encourage you to visit experienceliberty.com. Also, for a word of encouragement, insight, and biblical inspiration, follow Pastor David Tice's blog at davidtice.com. So without further ado, let's open our hearts to the Word of God. The book of Proverbs. We're going to take a study, a quick study through the book of Proverbs. We're not going to go through all of the Proverbs, uh, but we're going to take a little study through this. It's a little different type of um, a lesson tonight. First part is actually more of a lesson, more of informational about the book of Proverbs, and then the second part more uh, uh, application and how to utilize uh, the Proverbs that we're seeing um, tonight. So I'm looking forward to this, but I have a question. I want to ask this question to everybody that's sitting in here. How many people here would like to be wise? How many people here would like to be foolish? Good. We're already on a great start then right now, all right? We're on a great start because that's basically the crutch of the book of Proverbs about being wise and how not to be foolish. And it's a book that God has given us because he loved us that much. He's basically saying to us by going and giving us a book like, like Proverbs is, you guys need help. And I want to bless you. And I want you to know how you can be blessed and how to not be someone who's foolish and making mistakes. So he gives us this wonderful book that I know a lot of people, whether, no matter what you're doing in your, your Bible study and you're going through uh, the Bible, that you always, there are many that will add the book of Proverbs every day in their study because it's that valuable. And that's what we want to take a look at uh, tonight. And then something that we can apply from this. But I think there's so many little tidbits about this that I want to bring out. So the, uh, take your Bibles and we're going to go chapter 1. And we're going to take a look at the first um, seven verses in uh, Proverbs. And it says, The proverb of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment and equity, to give subtly to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. We're going to see that uh, 31 chapters are in this book, and the key verse was one I just ended on, uh, verse 7. That's the key verse of the entire 31 chapters, is verse 7. That's why we are going to take a look at the first basically seven to nine verses and how it applies for the rest of the book and then pick something out of that book that we can take and apply in our lives. So with that said, then let's pray and we'll get into it. Father, I thank you again for this time. Thank you, Father, for giving us the book of Proverbs. I thank you, Father, for the opportunity to study it and to be able to uh, apply it into our lives. I pray, Father, again, that you would work in our lives 
In Jesus' name, amen. So, introduction into Proverbs then. So what can we say about this? Well, introduction to Proverbs. As we look at our notes, um, the primary writer was Solomon. Obviously, we know Solomon was uh, the son of King David. He's considered to be the wisest man. Well, that's a good thing because he wrote the book. And so if it's supposed to be what we're supposed to be wise, then let's get it from the wisest man. And that was Solomon. Not that he was a perfect man. He was a wise man. The second thing we see here is a practical characteristics. So what are the practical characteristics of the whole book, 31 chapters? First, Proverbs express general truths, but may not always explain them. So we'll see it, but doesn't always explain what those truths are. You need to ask God for wisdom through that. Second, Proverbs are universal, uh, universally valid for all people at all times. It can be utilized anytime, even in 2024, these are valuable for our lives. Third, the book of Proverbs consists um, or considers a wide range of human experiences and relationships. It's vast in what is in there is a help to us. Fourth, Proverbs are generalizations that express the normal course of events and their outcomes. It's, it's general. It's basically down to the fundamentals of living and how we're supposed to live our life. These are the general practical uh, uh, practical characteristics of the book. Not only that, we see this. Uh, it's a poetic form. What's that? There's about uh, five different books in the Old Testament that would be considered poetic forms. This is one of them. Proverb makes a comparison or summarizes a common experience of human life. Some of the Proverbs would, uh, would contain words like like or as or so or but in between the Proverbs that we're going to see. So the first one we see there is synonymous parallelism because the prominent area of this book is parallelism. It presents two similar thoughts. So an example of that would be Proverbs 16, 18. If you want to look at that, you can. It says, pride goeth before destruction and haughty spirit before a fall. So the word and in between there connects that and it presents two similar thoughts. But then uh, number two is an antithetical parallelism. It con uh, contrasts the first and the second statement. We see that in Proverbs 10.1. It says, uh, the proverb of Solomon, a wise man maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is a heaviness of his mother. The word but in between there gives you that contrast from one thing to the other. The last one there is a syn uh, synthetic parallelism that presents the thoughts in the first part of the uh, parable and then continues the same thought in the second part. Proverbs 17.1, better is dry morsel and quietness therewith than a house full of sacrifices with strife. There was just a continuation, one flow of what that uh, proverb was wanting to state. There are three main areas as we look at it. And as we go through this, you're going to be able to pick those out. Those three parallelisms, you're going to be able to find those as we go through the different uh, uh, proverbs uh, in the lesson tonight. Okay, then not only that, we see this, the, the purpose, number two, and the maxim of proverbs. So through the 31 chapters, what's the purpose and what's the maxim of uh, this book? Well, we read that in verses two through six. Now, I just read through them, and that's what we normally do. When we go through Proverbs, you'll just read through this. But if you break this down, you will see there's a lot more that Solomon was trying to teach through these type of lessons. So number one of the five-fold purposes of Proverbs is this. Number one, an informed mind. Where's that? 2a, verse 2a, it says, to know wisdom and instruction, to know it. The word wisdom means skill, as in the sense of a craftsman. 
So that's what the word means. Kind of like someone that's skilled in an area. The skilled craft person must be disciplined in his or her work. The informed mind is a mind that skillfully applies moral discipline to daily life. This is basic. You're just getting information. You're informed. No wisdom and instruction and basic application. Number two, though, an insightful mind, he finishes verse two by saying, to perceive the words of understanding. Inside is the ability to compare concepts or situations and choose the moral way over the easy or self-gratifying way. So in other words, you are comparing now. You're taking that beginning, step one, information, but now you're taking that information and now you're applying that information and comparing it to here to here, and that gives you a little bit more stability in that area. The third one, though, is a disciplined mind is to have a disciplined mind, and that's in verse 3. To receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity. A disciplined person moves beyond living life merely on the basis of rules and regulations. The idea here is, when we're reading in the Bible and we go through things, we're going to say, um, I'm doing this, why? Because... Uh, someone else said to do this. It's a rule. Why do you go out on the road and you only go 45? Because it says 45, not 65. I mean, some might go 50. But you know what I'm talking about. You're not going to go 65. You're not going to go 70 at a 45. Because it's a rule. But what he's saying here, a disciplined mind, though, moves beyond that. Because of step one and two, you're taking that not as a rule as much as you're applying that saying, no, this is something that I need in my life. It's part of my life now not because I've been told to do it, because it's important that I do it, because it helps me in my life. God put that here, not as much as a rule, but as a much to be a help and a blessing to me. So there's a discipline involved in that. And then number four, a discerning mind is verses four and five, to give um, subtly to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. The discerning mind not only is able to know and do the right thing for the right reasons, but it also achieves the ability to proactively grow and then prepare plans for moral living in every changing life situation. In other words, this is critical thinking. This is now taking something like on point A, you go, I have learned this here, but taking what you've learned here and now applying it totally different over here because of point A here. An example would be this. We learn to tithe. We learn to give our money to God and we learn to tithe. But because we learn that concept, we go, that's a blessing, understand the importance of God and to do that. But now because of that, I go over here and now I give my time to God and I serve God. And I'm serving God. Why? Because I learned this concept here helps me to go here. I discern this by going through this. But that doesn't happen without going through number one, number two, and number three. Which then takes us to the last one. He talks about in verse six, a deep mind. To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. Deep thinking gained from a diligent study and faithful practice of Proverbs permits a moral interpretation of life's dilemmas and perplexing situation. While I'm going through these steps, what that's telling me is as I go through this and I'm studying through this, I have a faithful practice of implementing this. 
that when life starts throwing me things and makes it my life difficult, I'm able to handle it. I'm able to have victory over that because I've been faithfully now doing one, two, three, four, five. As I'm putting that into my life, I'm able to take that and apply this now in all aspects of my life, and it's part of my life now. It's just ingrained in me. So as you can see, it's a type of an intellectual hierarchy that uh, Solomon was trying to teach his son. Listen, you're getting knowledge, but it's got to be more than knowledge. You've got to take it to other steps. That's just the first layer. And he gave, as we read through this very quickly sometimes, but he gave stages. And these stages of where we have to live and where we need to go. That's why it says the, the five-fold uh, uh, purpose focuses on helping uh, readers uh, respond wisely and skillfully to the daily common issues of life. Here's where he's setting this all up. So he starts in, in the beginning of, of Proverbs. He goes through the, uh, verse 6, but he gets now to something extremely important, the major maxim of Proverbs. So what are we looking at here is uh, verse 7. The general truth and foundation principle of, of Proverbs is stated in this one verse. And that is, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So what's he saying in that, ver in that verse? Well, what he's saying is, the prerequisite for what? For the beginning of uh, all the way up to uh, verse 6, the prerequisite that you need is you have to have a fear of the Lord. If you don't have a reverence, and that's what fear means here, if you don't have a reverence for the Lord, how in the world are you supposed to do the five-fold purpose then? You're not going to be able to. You're not going to go to it because you don't have that desire. You didn't put God first. So why would I go through one, two, three, four, five, through these things and really ingrain this in my life? He says it, and then he says, oh, you want this in your life? Then let me tell you what you need to do. You need a reverence. You need to put God first. You need to make God important in your life. Because if you do that, then these other things make sense. But then he even takes it a step farther by saying, but if you don't, then you're a fool. If you don't do this, then you're rejecting this, then you're a fool. I, I like this because he, the whole book is so practical, but he starts off with the book this way by simply saying, okay, we've gotten through verse 7. If that's as far as we're going to get, then shut the book. You've got 31 chapters here, but you might as well shut it because you're not going to learn one thing if you don't get to this point. So if you don't do verse 7, then just shut the book. Because you have to put God first and make this a priority in our life to know, I want to learn from God. I want wisdom. And he was trying to teach his son this. But then he gives you a little bit more tidbit about what we can take a step and understand this. As he's teaching his son this, we can understand this because now he goes to the third part, the major warning. He has a warning in here, and that starts in verse 8. Children receive great value from accepting their parents' instruction. This value is described as an ornament of grace and chains about the neck, like a necklace kind of feel. So what's he saying in there is the verse says, My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. They shall be an ornament of grace unto the head, of the head and chains about the neck. So he gives warning. What's the warning? Honor your parents, he's saying. Warning, don't despise wisdom from verse 10 all the way to the end he says don't despise wisdom and keep away from sin and those in involved in sin those are the two warnings so he goes through these up to seven and he says don't be foolish put god first 
Because why? We're like children. To, well, we're not like we are. We're children to God. And so he's saying, here, as a father, I'm giving you instruction. I'm giving you this instruction. Are you going to take this instruction? That's verse 7. But then he makes it where people will understand. Well, let me give you verses 8 and 9. Where he says simply that now in a human sense, here he says, My son, hear the instructions of thy father and don't forsake the law of thy mother. Listen, we're standing right in front of you. Don't forsake what we're telling you. Because if a child's going to say, I'm going to not listen to the parents, then why is he going to listen to an all-holy God? So he's saying here, he brings it down to earthly uh, a level here by saying, here's the thing, you have to give God reverence. Well, if you struggle with that and what that means, I'll give you this. Do you give reverence to your parents? So parents, there's a clue for you. Your kids should give you reverence. They should honor you. They should listen to you. Here's the thing, though. It's saying here, my son, hear the instructions. That means you need to teach and instruct your kids. That's what God's saying right here. Instruct them. Solomon was so concerned about his son and what they're learning. He wanted, he, he, from, from the gift of God, to write this and say, no, you need this. And we all need this. So understand that as a parent, the responsibility is we have a responsibility to teach. The church helps. In our case, a Christian school helps. But we aren't the forerunner on this. The parents are. You have to instruct your kids don't forsake, he says, your, the, the law of your mother. Then understand the importance of a father and mother and what they're teaching. But he brings it down to this level. This is all just chapter one beginning stages to that. Now, that's all just an introduction in a way to see where Solomon is coming from and how we should go into the book of Proverbs, how we should study the book of Proverbs. Then sometimes just reading that and go, oh, I kind of get it, don't kind of get it. Nah, let me read on, let me get to another proverb. There's hundreds of Proverbs in the book. I read it, get it, don't get it, moving on. But he says, no, those first six verses are saying, no, dig into it, chew on it, study it. Let God speak to you about those and help work in your life. We're going to take one, one topic in this book. Why? Because this book talks about how to have a good relationship. This, this book talks about how to have the right conduct in your life. This book talks about how to have a good work ethic. This book talks about success. This book talks about how we should speak. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. Because now let's put what we've just learned and apply that. And what? The wisdom of appropriate words. The wisdom of this. You know, the funny thing is that the power of words is amazing. The power that God's given us with words is incredible. I read a definition that says words are the most powerful force available to humanity. I would just add, other than God. But the truth really is, think about it, words are the most powerful force available to humanity. He's given us this ability then to communicate and what we communicate and how we communicate. This is just one topic in the book of Proverbs that we can glean something on. Let's take a look at some of these. Words can hurt. Such words ought not to be spoken. I think we can understand that. But words fitly spoken have great power for good. The key is wisdom. The wise person uses words appropriately. 
So tonight what I want to do is we're going to take a look, obviously, in areas of inappropriate words, but we also want to take a look at appropriate words. Why? Because that's what Proverbs has done. Teaching on both sides. A comparison, so to speak. Here's what we shouldn't do. Here's an example of this. Here's what you should. Here's examples of that. So you know what you should and shouldn't do. That's what's so nice about this book. It spells it pretty much out to you. So let's take a look at that. And Solomon spoke quite a bit about it. So we're going to see this. The folly of inappropriate words. Or the other words, the foolishness of inappropriate words. What would that be? Uh, words spoken to people. Let's start with that. Words spoken to people. Many people bear emotional, mental, even spiritual scars from unsuitable or inappropriate words. Look at um, Proverbs in our notes of 12:18. There is that speaketh like the piercing of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. So there we see a, a, a contrast. We have one proverb saying this, but we have the word but in there that gives you the second opposite side here. The verse testifies the damage hurtful words can inflict. They can penetrate, it says, like a sword. It can draw blood. I think if you're honest, have you ever gone through it where someone has given you a kind of a tongue lashing? Have you all been to a position where you're kind of down or going through it and then something's been said to kick you even farther down and just get you to the point of like, wow, I've never gotten to that point? It can cut, it says, like a knife. I think if we're honest, we'll say, I've gone through something like that. Man, I, I have really gone through some difficulties when something's been said to a hurtful way goes on though and says Proverbs 15 4 says a wholesome tongue is a tree of life but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit a breach in the spirit the word breach in the spirit the term translate breach conveys the meaning of destruction crushing bruising breaking that's what that's saying that's what the word breach means that's what words can do words can do that to somebody its destructive words can deliver a crushing blow to the human spirit. It can take you down to your knees. Words can do that. Back to the beginning, the power of words. Done in the wrong way. And the thing is, sometimes we do it by accident. We don't mean to. Sometimes we pull and we do it. Let me ask this question. This is honest. We're, we're all family in here. How many people will say, I have at some point gone through something like that, where I've gone through where someone has said something and just about, you know, I walked out feeling, wow, I just got something thrown at me. Okay, here's the thing. Hands everywhere. You would all admit, and I would too, that was one of the worst experiences, right? I think if we're all honest, we would say, but I've also done it too. I've also done it. Why is it if it's so horrendously bad for us and you go, boy, I remember that, and boom, when I talk about you, I remember this, I remember this. But then we've gone ourselves and gone right back and done it, yet we know how bad that was. Boy, it's something that we have to grow and learn on then and know that in our flesh what can come out. But you have to focus and go, God, help me, because I know what I've just experienced down the line with this. I sure don't want to be that and give this back to somebody and to do that. We all know it. Sticks and stones will break our bones, but words will never hurt me. What a lie. 
What a lie. Why? Because it do hurt. It hurts greatly. I knew a, a, a gentleman that we were doing choir at a different church years ago. And we said, hey, we want you to be in the choir. Can, you would like to be in the choir. Can you be in the choir? And he went, oh, no, no, I can't be in the choir. So why can't you be in the choir? Because when I was in grade school, my music teacher said, if you're ever going to sing, sing in a closed closet. So, I can't, so he said this, I can't sing. Because somebody told him this in grade school? I mean, back then, he was about my age when I, we asked him that. Wow, and he remembers that. Words stick. Words can hurt. I have talked with people that you can tell lack such confidence in their life. Why? Because they were told things. Maybe you're ugly. I'd say overweight. Some have another word for that. You're this, you're that. And they lack confidence because they have been ridiculed, they've been said things, and now they're unable to function like they should because words hurt and they cut like a knife. And we have to be careful. And sometimes we kid sometimes, sometimes we say things, but they can hurt. And we need to get that right when we realize that, and God will reveal that. Okay? Not only that, then, words spoken about people. Not just two. Solomon has a lot to say about that. He says um, in Proverbs 16, A forward man soweth strife, and a whisperer separates chief friends. The word forward is a person that's perverse. He turns the facts and twists them around to represent something different. So when you're talking about somebody, you're saying something about somebody, but you're twisting it, and it's not accurate, it's not factual. To either make that person look bad, maybe to make you look better, regardless, you're twisting that and you're saying something about somebody. That's a forward man that does that. A forward man sows strife. That's what he's saying. And a whisperer. Separate. Even the best of friends, this could rip apart. That's how strong this can be. The closest friends would not be because of something like this. Proverbs 26, 20. Where no wood is, there the fire go out. So where there is no tail bearer, the strife ceases. We see here a continuation of the first thought. But everyone understands that first thought, right? Where there is no wood, there's no fire. If you don't have wood, there's not going to be a fire. <laughs> okay? This is the thing. You know, where, where there's smoke, there's fire. Well, here, if there's no wood, there's no fire. We understand it. So what's he saying here? The word tail bearer is translated whisperer. Again, that's someone that's gossiping, that's saying stuff. The word of a tail bearer, whisperer, fuel dissension. Can I tell you that's the wood? That's the wood. So when he's saying here, where no wood is, what? When there's no tail bearer, when there's no whispering, there won't be anything. That's up to us to stop it. That's us to, ups, us to say, let's not do that. Let's not go there. That's not healthy to do that. Do you know, we see sometimes this in social media nowadays, don't we? Boy, our day now is how can we rip people, tear people, and tear them apart. And we do it sometimes, not even face to face. When he's talking words in our world we live in right now, it doesn't have to be out of my mouth. 
And the sad thing in social media right now, it's almost like if I text it or if it's on social media and I type it in, oh, that's different. <laughs> this doesn't mean quite the same. It cuts just the same, doesn't it? I know that some years ago there were some things written about you know the church and some about the school that was that was detrimental uh, because there was someone visiting our, our church and it was po- a political thing and they were doing it. You know what? It hurts. No matter what, no matter who it comes, it hurts when people say nasty things or something. It just hurts. It, it makes no difference how. And when it's about people and they're not there, it doesn't help at all when we do that. Okay. Okay, deep breath. That's the negative. Let's get to the positive now, because he does talk about that, okay? Okay, inappropriate words can damage and destroy lives. They can destroy a person's reputation. Oh, let me just end with that in this way, with this section, is this. Um, I have seen this happen, too. People will talk about other people, and it can ruin a reputation. It can take them down. I mean, to the point where they lose jobs, lose face, because this person said something and now it's your word against this, these people's words and it's almost like who's got more behind them, who's got more money, who's louder wins. Doesn't make truth, facts aren't there and a reputation can be destroyed because of this. Okay, now we're done. Okay, two, the other good thing. The fruit of appropriate words. Now there's a lot that he talks about here too that Solomon talks about. Proverbs 15, look at that. A man has joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoketh in due season. How good is it? How does he end that? Is it with a question mark? With what? Explanation point. So look what he says. So a word spoken in due season, when it's done right, and it's something positive, how good is it? I mean, it's like, there's no way I, can, I can't take that in. It's so good when something is said positive. It's that big and that important, right? Let's take a look then. A, word spoken to people. We'll do just the opposite now. So what we're saying here, appropriate words fall into two categories, affirmation and confrontation. Sometimes that has to be uh, what we need to do sometimes, and we're going to take a look at that. At least five different fruits or results of affirmation appear in Proverbs. Number one, edification. Proverbs 15.2. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge aright. Sometimes an appropriate word edifies. Believers have the responsibility to edify or build up one another. This is our responsibility. Our responsibility, build up one another. We need to build up one another another. Ephesians 4, not in your notes, 29 says, let no uh, corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. We are commanded there to edify one another, to build up one another. Not only that, number two, it's to strengthen. Proverbs 15, 30 goes on to say, the light of the eyes rejoiceth the heart, and a good report maketh the bones fat. Now, can I say, we'll read that, and this is what we'll take out of that proverb. When I'm talking about going through before the fivefold, and we go one through six, that will do this. Huh. The, the light of the eyes rejoice. That's a good word. Light, that's a good word. Um, the heart, well, that's good. And a good report, that's good, makes the bones fat. I have no idea what that is. But that's pretty upbeat. So let's just be upbeat and move on now. But we don't study it. We don't know anything about it. We just go, 
That seems kind of fun. That's not a down thing. I'm happy. Let's go on. But what's he saying? The idiom there, makest the bones fat, is very fitting for why Solomon would say that. Because it relates to the culture. Prosperity and, and strength comes from healthy bones. So when he's talking about prosperity and health, and he talks about that, uh, uh, when he's talking about the bones are fat, that means prosperity and health. Poverty and illness were associated with another thing that we hear, dry bones. So when you read dry bones, that means basically poverty and illness. So he's talking about the fact that this should give us strength, health, this ability to do that. Now, if anyone's involved in any kind of sport, you'll understand this. Home field advantage. Home field advantage makes a difference. Except for some. Okay. Um, waited all night for that moment. <laughs> There's more coming. <laughs> Normally, home field advantage makes a difference. That's, that's only because about Dallas and Green Bay, Green Bay whipping Dallas. Other than that, on the road. Uh, but normally what happens is this, this is true, normally a home field advantage is when a team travels to someone's home, they're, most of the time they're underdogged or knocked because they're not in their home. I think it's funny sometimes you can have a team that goes over to this team and they're knocked, but if they go, oh, we're going to, you know what, let's switch it and we're going to go over here and now all of a sudden they're the underdog. It's like, what happened? It's the same team. But their home field makes a difference. Why? Because it strengthens them. The cheering, not booing, no, most of the time. But, you know, the cheering makes a difference. The fact that you have people in the stands, you know, makes a difference. Why? Because you're cheering on your team. You ever see, like, a, a bike race or, or a marathon? These people are staged near the end of the race. Why? Because you're going through the race, but you know when they need cheering? At the end. To strengthen them to finish strong to get through that this is what paul is saying here when we look at our notes there it says paul urges the thessalonians to stand alongside and strengthen those who are spiritually weak he says in thessalonians now we exhort you brethren warn them that are unruly comfort the feeble-minded support the weak be patient toward all men see that none render evil for evil unto any man but ever follow that which is good both among yourself and to all men. Can I tell you, in this room right now, there are people that, at the, they're spiritual weak. You know why? Because they're going through something right now. We all can, even the most gun-hold, save forever type of person, can be weak because of things going in their life. And you know what they need? Building up strength from the whole home field. That's us. Because you know where you're not going to get that is out there. This is the home field advantage. So when we're in here now, this is where we're supposed to strengthen one another. Ken needs strength. We're to, we're to strengthen him and help him. Ken might go, I'm doing great. I don't care. Everyone needs it. Everybody desires it. Everyone could pocket it a little bit. And it's an encouragement. We, as a church, are the home field advantage. Everybody here should be encouraging one another because when you go out there, you're away. And that's where the attacks come. And you need some strength to get you to the next time you come back home to the home field. So that's what we should be doing. 
This is what, that's what Thessalonians is talking about. That's what Proverbs 15 is trying to teach us in there in strengthening and making that happen. Number three, wise counsel. He talks about sometimes confrontation is necessary. It's true, we need to. Proverbs 27, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. So even there he's saying here that the faithful are the wounds of a friend. Now a friend's coming as a friend and has got to be honest and say, hey, where you're going isn't right, man. I need to tell you flat out, you're going the wrong direction, you need help. And I'm here to try to let you know that. In love, get back, get out, do something, whatever it is, but you're doing it in love. He that rebuketh a man afterwards shall find more favor than he that flattereth with his tongue. You know what we don't need is a lot of yes people. If we're doing something wrong, then someone's got to point it out, but not, oh, you're good, oh, you're good, you're good, when you're going, no, you're not inside. Man, I'm glad that's not that. And then what happens is we go, let me tell you what's going on with that person. So now we go to the gossip part. <laughs> Instead of just telling that person, you know what, you've got to get out of this, man, because you're a friend. The examples, and we know these examples. We're not going to take the time to read them, but Samuel confronts Saul. Why? Saul didn't do what God said to do. Samuel had to confront him and tell him, uh, no, you're, oh, no, no, I did. No, you did not. Paul confronted Peter. Peter was sitting down with Gentiles. Why? Because God said, no, reach everybody, even the Gentiles. He's eating with Gentiles. All of a sudden, here comes Jewish leaders coming. Peter decides, oh, Jewish leaders, I shouldn't be with Gentiles, and gets up and walks away. And Paul notices that. It's amazing when you read this. This is Peter. And Paul calls him out and says, uh, excuse me, I saw what you just did. You don't get up and walk like that. Now, either you're doing this or you're not. It's not a game. And Paul calls him out. David was um, Nathan's friend. Nathan was David's friend. We all know David. Look what David all did. Oh, let's do adultery. Let's murder. Let's do all of this. Nathan calls him out on it. But you know what? In love, he calls him out. Spells it out the way it is. I mean, he tell you what you're doing. But you know what? Because of that, David repented. Because of what Nathan did. I'll tell you, sometimes we've got to do it. There are so many verses. I'm not going to go through them. But there are so many verses that talks about counseling and helping in that area. Why? Because it's needed. It really is. Four, healing. Words can also have a healing effect. We read this one already in Proverbs 12. There is that speaketh like the piercing of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. Do you know it's like a medicine? So he's saying healing. So when you say kind things to somebody and say really good things and you're, and you're encouraging them, it's like a medicine. It's like getting antibiotics. It's like, oh man, I've been just down, I've been doing this. And by saying this, it can be healthy, healing to them. Then number five, cheer. An appropriate word can also produce gladness and joy. Proverbs 12 says, heaviness in the heart of the man maketh it stoop. Or he's sad, makes him sad. But a good word maketh it glad. The word glad suggests abundant rejoicing. Don't you want that with your brothers and sisters, Right? We want to see that. The value of using an appropriate word can also confront anger. Proverbs 15.1, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grieveth words stir up anger. So we can see the fact that if someone's angry, we can actually change that by words that we say. A soft answer can actually calm somebody down that's going through it. Or we can throw gas on it and fuel that. But the words we speak is so powerful that we can change even anger. Now, I'm, I, I bring this up. I could have picked, by the way, 
any topic from Proverbs, and I decided words. Because you know why? I, I, I never get up and say something unless I feel like it's a conviction in my life, all right? And this is a conviction in my life. This is something that bothers me. Why? Because I'm part of this church, been a part of the church for 25 years. And I, I sit here, and I'm talking about these things, but can I tell you that what I'm feeling is I don't think is any different than a lot of you. And that's this. Um, we have a tendency maybe to look at this and then we go through the proverbs and go, well, I'm not like the beginning part. I, I'm not the, I don't sit there and rip people down left and right. Not often. <laughs> very, very little do I go and just rip people like that. But I'd say, how often are we there to actually build up? Because can I tell you what sometimes happens? Now, again, this is home field, right? This is what happens. Hey, Rob, how are you? How was your day today? Really? It was great? It was a good day? Good. Did you have a zip fizz? I did. Good. Okay. Done. Ken, how was your day? Tremendous. I already asked him that earlier today. That's good. Then we talked about a couple other things. Moving on. Can I say that's a difference than building up, isn't it? Edifying? Or any of these things? All I did was say hi. I didn't do anything more. I didn't do anything to build up. We have a tendency to go around in life and just go, hi, how are you? What's going on? A little small talk, nothing like that. That's it. Can I tell you what? I'm just going to quickly go over this. I love Rob. This guy has more passion than I know in life. I want to bottle that. I want that in my life. I appreciate Rob because of that fact. Ken, his wife, are the most giving people that I know. Open their homes all the time. Constantly doing for others. Serves up here, does so much. Stan, I don't know all about your, all your family, but I know three of your young ladies that you brought up. I know Julianne, I know Tiffany, and I know Kim that are here. What a wonderful testimony to you. You've done a wonderful job with your wife, raising up three young ladies like you have. It's amazing. Nate, I see you. Every time you see Nate, you want to smile. He's got a smile that can make you smile. Jamie Allen, man, probably one of the smartest guys I know. I know so many topics. You go to Jamie and I go, he goes this and he goes, well, let me give you this article I got. <laughs> I go, Jamie. Hour later, I mean, the guy is a wealth of knowledge and he's so free of giving that way. So free. Rick Burkett. I'm telling you what, uh, the, the beginning of Proverbs 1 through 7, this guy is a thinker. This guy doesn't just do without having everything in line going, no, it's not just a game with him. No, he lives wisdom because he has studied and gone through that. And he understands it and he applies it. And I look at that and go, wow, that's something when I do that. Tom hides in the back right there. Been here for years serving up there. Had to come and take an extra load because of that fact, because of Dave Wilkins' stroke. Appreciate that man so much. 
my wife, what can I say about my wife? She's got to put up with me. Enough said? Okay. <laughs> can I tell you what, though? Every one of these people that I talk to pretty much will say, I never knew that. I never said that. I never took the time to say this. You know why? Jamie, how was your day? Good? Yeah. It was bad? Really? Let me pray. Okay, I'll pray for you. Moving on. But this is home field. And sometimes it's because we don't know much other than small talk with people. And I feel bad about that. And that's why this has been convicting, because if you read this, we might put ourselves not way over here. I'm not that bad. But we definitely might not put ourselves over here. But we put ourselves here. And that's not a good spot sometimes, because that's not going to help people. Do you know what? That did not take that much time for me to do that. When you walk by somebody and you appreciate somebody, then you tell you, I appreciate you. Here's why. But there are so many that encourage me for all these little things, because those little things all add up to what I want in my life. And I go, oh, I like that, I like this, I like that. And it just helps me to, to, to do that. Then why am I not sharing that? And I just wanted to share that with you really quick, because I think that's very important in the lesson that we're looking at, because that takes us to the last one. Words spoken about people. Someone has wisely counseled, if you can't say anything good about someone, say nothing at all. <laughs> We've heard that before. Proverbs 25, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. Proverbs 12, he that speaketh truth showeth forth righteousness, but a false witness deceit. I had two examples of this already this week. I got to see someone that went to my connection class and wasn't part of our church, and they were in our connection class, just checking it out. And I just sat through class and said, oh, tell me a little bit. What do you, you know? What do you do? What do you, you know, the basics. And I said, well, why are you here? Oh, because I talked to somebody that has gone to your church and told me good things about your church and all of these things, so I thought I'd come check it out. I thought, huh. A couple of days ago, I was at somebody's house, and I said, so how did you come to Liberty? It's been a few months. And it was a, a couple and um, their mother who doesn't live here. She lives in San Diego. And she said, oh, well, when I'm at San Diego, there's somebody going to that church that used to come to Liberty. And they were saying, oh, they should come to Liberty because your, your you know, son and, and daughter-in-law live here in Las Vegas. It's a great church. Go check it out. So when the mother came to visit for the holidays, told them, you need to go to Liberty. You need to go to a church. Go to Liberty. So the wife did and got saved. Why? Because someone said something good about it. Said something good. And it caused someone to do something. I can do the same thing again. I looked up there and I see Tom up there. You know who's not up there is Melissa. Melissa is an amazing person to me. Why? Because um, when Dave Wilkins got a stroke, she was just in her choir, just kind of did her thing. But she goes, hey, I've kind of dabbled with this. If you need, I can go up there. Well, the girl lives up there now for everything. Anything that happens. The children's choir, all the practice, she's up there all the time. It's amazes to me. Your wife, Ken, is amazing to me. And all that she does, too, on the side that people don't know. And you know what happens? Someone's, all of a sudden, someone's going to say, did you hear what Pastor Shore said about this? And, this? and it was something good. <laughs> Do you know what? That builds up. That builds up. 
So instead of tearing down, say something good about somebody and that. Samson, you are so lucky. You know it, but you're so lucky because of her. If there's someone that brightens up any day, it's Natalie. Natalie walks in a room and you can, I, I could be this way and I can go, Natalie just walked in. <laughs> just the joy of the Lord just sprouts out of her. Now there's a difference. She's sitting there. I didn't know if she was there because you, you guys were, you know. But I would have said something nice, see? But see, that's what we need to do. That's what we need to start working on because that's what he's trying to teach here. And I think sometimes with Proverbs, we go to the first stages of that. But if we want to get to the sixth stage of this, that means we have to put some feet in to put some action to it. And that's what I'm encouraging us to do. Now, on the, on the back of your, if you had the, of your notes, I have a chart. I think I actually have it here. Um, nope, I don't. Well, maybe I do if I go here. Yep. So this chart I have on there. What it always, and again, you can use it any way you want. But it's just, it's actually, it's one of these you just get you to think. All it says is this. The first, um, first the names, a uh, name, uh, List the names of three people who are most affected by your words. You can do that, or you can just pick three people and go, I'm, God put this on your heart. Who are people that you say they just laid in your heart? What are appropriate words you feel you should say to that person? And it says a date or time. Why? Because if you don't, you're not going to do it. You're going to say, it could be Sunday, next time I see him, whatever. But you're going to make a point of going to that person, you're going to say something kind. Then inappropriate words is number two. In the chart above, write some words each person needs needs to hear from you when should you I'll say that one number three in the chart above write some inappropriate words that each person should never hear from you what are words that you're saying I need to get this out of my vocabulary I say this should get that out okay Rob has to get Dallas out of his vocabulary it should be gone go away all right um, are there people you need to reach out to that you have said inappropriate words here's your opportunity where you have to maybe get something right and say, if you've said something, that you go, oh, man, God's just revealing, I was kind of short, or I wasn't encouraging, or I need to do something. Well, then take advantage of this now and say, I'm going to go over there, and I'm going to make sure I get that right. You know, because, again, home field, we need to make sure that's strong and that we're able to do that. This needs to be a place that, and I share this all because I'm not saying, oh, Pastor Shore, you expert. Oh, no, it's just the opposite. No, I'm sharing this because, boy, I need help with this. And I think to myself, I don't think I'm alone with this. I don't think I'm the only one. Now, I will say there are people that are really good at it, more natural with it, even though I think the most natural is you only can do it through God. But they're, you know, a little bit more spirit-led to push on that. That comes more than for me. I got to work at this. My thing is very quick, and it's not a good thing. So I got convicted on it, and I hope that maybe that'll be a help to you also. So with that, wisdom from Solomon. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for a lesson about um, basically just how to utilize the book and then here's just one topic there are so many help us to see others that we might be able to do areas reveal areas in our lives that maybe we need to be strengthened that we can go in into the book of proverbs and glean uh, areas to improve on and i just lift that up to you and uh, i pray father that you would strengthen us uh, in that area then father talking about words you gave us some of the most important words that we could ever hear and that simply is the fact that if we put our faith and trust in you, in your son, that we can go to heaven. Father, those are the most encouraging words that we can hear as sinful people that we can go to heaven if we put our faith and trust in what your son did. 
And I pray, Father, that tonight people will have that opportunity, if they've never done that, to hear some of the most important words you could ever give to us. And then, Father, that action step of accepting that. And I ask this all in Jesus' name. We hope that message was an encouragement to your heart. Now, for weekly updates and for information about Liberty Baptist Church, be sure to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC of Las Vegas. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, God bless.